You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by my free guide on five ways to better serve students with exceptional learning needs. It can be hard to try to best serve your students with exceptional needs in the music classroom, but it doesn't have to be. There are some simple steps that you can take to help your students while also taking some of the stress off of your shoulders. In this free PDF guide, I'll share five of my top tips for better serving those students that might have exceptional learning needs in your classroom. To claim your free PDF copy, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash exceptional learners. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation I had with Rachel Ammons. It was absolutely a blast to be able to talk to her um, and talk about her experience as an ed- an educator um, and as a music educator and kind of the journey that she's taken to get there. Rachel Ammons is a music educator in Central Ohio. Currently, she teaches second grade through 12th grade music. She was a substitute teacher for three years after obtaining her bachelor's in music education from Ashland University in 2016. Before taking her full-time position, she was an assistant marching band director and a building substitute. She's now teaching in an independent school for students with learning differences, including ADHD and dyslexia. When she's not teaching, she enjoys reading, crocheting, and playing video games with her husband, Jim. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Rachel Ammons. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That Music Podcast. Today, I have Rachel Ammons, who is another amazing music educator, and we're going to talk about her story and kind of the journey that she's taken to become where she is now. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, so, Rachel, before we get started, will you tell me a little, tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, where did you go to school um, and kind of what you teach and where you teach? Yeah, of course. Um, so, I uh, became a music teacher from uh, the music education program at Ashland University. Um, From there, I uh, didn't quite get a music teacher job right away. Um, I I was a substitute teacher for about three-ish years, kind of on-again, off-again situation um, around Central Ohio. But last school year, I finally found basically my dream job, right outside of Columbus, Ohio. I teach grades two through 12, and I teach in a school that is primarily for students with learning differences. Uh, We teach students primarily with dyslexia, uh, dysgraphia, ADHD, executive function disorders, and stuff like that. And it's been so much fun. Oh, that does sound like a cool job. I'm glad that you kind of came upon it. It's it's one of those things that like, I had heard of the school before, but once the job opening was posted, I was like, hmm, let's give that a try. And then I kind of got the job and I was like, oh, this is a brand new experience. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Rachel, other than teaching, what's something that you are super passionate about and that brings you joy in your life? So when I'm not teaching, um, you can usually find me on my couch uh, crocheting, actually. I kind of have a little side hustle situation going on. I had an Etsy shop for a while, but I've kind of mainly just uh, been focusing on making gifts for my family recently. But 
yeah, I like to crochet hats and blankets and I'm kind of dabbling in stuffed animals right now. It's been fun. How exciting. <laughs> so the point of the, this kind of interview series here in March is just talking about um, kind of learning about how different music teachers came to be teaching music. So can you tell us about what led you to pursue a degree in music and specifically why music education? Yeah, of course. Um, for me, music has been part of my life pretty much since the beginning. Um, my dad wasn't very musical, but my mom was involved in music all through her schooling career. And then um, I started piano lessons when I was about four or five. And then I don't know how I latched onto the obsession of band, but when I was in fourth grade, I joined band because it was like the only thing I ever wanted to do. And from there, I just kind of was in every sort of band thing that I could get my hands on. Like I was in marching band, I was in jazz band, I was in concert band. Basically, if it had band in the name, I was part of it. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> when I was thinking about applying for school, I like I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Like that was just kind of one of those things that I always knew about myself. But when I finally sat down and like was thinking about it, I was like, you know what, why don't I combine these two things? And I had done um, private lessons when I was in high school. I had given private trumpet lessons to uh, some middle schoolers and I absolutely loved doing that. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's give this a shot. That's awesome. And then you talked talk a little bit about your story that kind of how you kind of ended up in your current position, but can you talk more about, your time as a substitute teacher and specifically how you ended up in your current position. Yeah, of course. Um, so when I graduated, there weren't a lot of music jobs open at the time. So I got the advice from a teacher that I um, respect very much. He said that I should get into subbing. I was like, okay. And so I was primarily in just one district and subbed here and there. It wasn't something that I really enjoyed because like when I got my music degree, I wanted to do music. And so I wasn't doing music very much. So I kind of got out of it for a little while, took a couple odd jobs, but found myself wanting to get back in the classroom. And so for the next couple years, I really focused on subbing, getting my name out there. I was in a bunch of different districts. I eventually got a job as an assistant marching band director which was so much fun. Um, it was, was. A, oh, it was so great. It, it was a really unique experience for me because it was in a, a rural district, which I had never really had much experience with before. So it was very eye opening for me. Um, but once the band season was over, I was kind of back to being just a sub, which in itself was a lot of fun. But once I had that taste of being back with music, I wanted more of it. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I eventually got a position as a building sub at another school closer to my home, which was awesome because the commute to the band job was like half an hour at like best <laughs> traffic situation. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> and so I was building sub for a while. Um, I, talked to the secretary a lot. She gave me a lot of advice, let me know about openings within the district, got a few interviews, nothing quite landed. And so I was starting to actually think about going back to school for something else. I was thinking about either um, special education or maybe English. 
but as I was looking at different um, different programs for those two things, I realized I was going to have to basically get a whole new degree because a lot of the classes that we take for music education don't really transfer. So I was like, yep. okay, that's going to take a while. But luckily, well, luckily for me, um, at the very, very end of that summer, the music teacher at the school that I'm at now just up and left. Like it was a complete surprise. There was basically two weeks before school was about to start. And yeah, it was, it was a whirlwind moment. Um, My friend actually teaches there and she's like, Hey, I heard about so-and-so leaving. You should put your name in. I think you'd be great here. I was like, okay. So I submitted my application had a couple interviews got the job was in orientation two days later. <laughs> it was, oh my whirlwind. <laughs> I'm sure it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was crazy and exhilarating and so much fun all at the same time, but also very terrifying. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure, you know, just the, the whole process, you know, getting your own classroom, but then having very little time to get ready. I can only imagine, especially with such a wide grade span. Yeah, and the uh, the special population of kids that we have, because I'd never even considered dyslexia in the music classroom until I got this job. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> that's really interesting. So as you probably know, I spent my first pretty much a year out of undergrad um, subbing as well. Um, And that's kind of why that music teacher happened is because like you said, you know, I missed the music classroom, you know, while I, while I wasn't subbing quite as long as you were, I I missed being in that music classroom. Um, And then, you know, if I have a sub sub position in the music classroom, I'd get, you know, get really excited about it again. I'm like really kind of miss that the music teaching that, you know, we work so hard for in undergrad. Yeah, exactly. um, so I'm glad that you ended up f- finding someplace that um, not only that is a music job, but someplace you feel so strongly attached to. Yeah, it's, it's been an amazing ride. Like just from last year to this year, even with this year being as different as it is, it's just been a very, it's been an amazing opportunity of growth for me to work with these students in such a large age range and just really sure. watching them grow has helped me grow. I'm sure. So in your time as a teacher, so whether it was you when you were subbing or as you're in your time as a music teacher, what's, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Uh, I think the one that sticks with me the most is it's one that we always talk about, but it's that no two students are the same. And that's, it sounds so cliche because we talk about that all the time. But I would, I would teach one lesson and then I'd do the same thing with another class the very next day. And I would have students the first day really getting it, really engaging with the material, really having a lot of fun and getting their hands dirty and getting in there. But then the next day I would have the complete opposite. And there's nothing that I did that was any different. It was just that particular group of kids just didn't quite latch onto it the same way and so really getting in there and seeing that happen is like oh okay no two classes no two individual students are exactly the same and in that one class could be fine when i see them next week they could have just been having an off day (laughs) 
I know that is one of the biggest things is because I think we all know that fundamentally that everyone is different and that, you know, every class is different, every student is different. But then when you actually see just how the smallest things can have completely different interactions or different reactions with, with different groups of people, it is so weird. Um, and it, you really have to wrap your head around it, even though, you know, we logically know that um, <laughs> no two students are the same, but then looking at the actuality of it can be super surprising. Yeah, exactly. And with uh, with the kids that I work with, a lot of them have the same diagnoses. They Most of them have dyslexia or ADHD or some combination of the two, but they don't manifest themselves in the same way. For example, I have students who are your classic ADHD, like they're up moving around, they're, uh, it's hard for them to focus on something. But then I also have students who also have an ADHD diagnosis where they're more the inattentive ADHD, where they're just spaced out in their own little world somewhere, but they have the same diagnosis. So even in that kind of situation, it's like, all right, how do I reach these two students who on paper are the same, but in reality are completely different? So what were some of the big things that you've learned in your time working with these students with, you know, again, like you said, similar diagnoses, but different um, outcomes, you know, how do you, how have you found can be helpful to better best serve these students? I think the biggest thing is just being flexible um, because especially with the, with the students who need to be moving, just keeping the, the pace of the class going really helps them but also making sure it's not too fast for the ones who either are inattentive or just not quite grasping onto the material, whatever their reason may be. So just being able to read the room and be flexible has been like a lifesaver. <laughs> I'm sure even just with my time working with exceptional learners, um, whether they're coming you know, in a self-contained class or in inclusion, it's just being able to have that relationship with them so that when you, you start noticing things that like, okay, this is, you know, they're starting to act this way. We need to move on to something different or, you know, they're still not getting it. We still have, you know, they still have some focus left in them. And I think it's really just like you said, reading the room and, you know, being flexible and realizing that what happens in class A doesn't necessarily happen to ha- have to happen in class B the same way. Um, and just, kind of, again, I know we keep going back to treating every student like they're different, uh, but just being aware that you're not going to be able to teach the same thing the same way all the time and reach all of your students. Yeah, exactly. And building those relationships is so important because I've, I've had students who are typically like bouncing off the walls and moving all around. And if I notice that those students are like more like drawn into themselves on a particular day, I notice that and I like make sure to kind of pull them aside and like see how they're doing. So just learning your students and just building those relationships can be so helpful and it is so important. So Rachel, in your time as a teacher, whether it be subbing or in music, what have you learned about how music education fits into the education of the whole child? So for me, music is one of those things that really can help students either find an identity or connect with the world. So you have your English classes where you're looking at literature and learning about language. 
you have your math and science classes where you're kind of learning about the intricacies of the world. And then, of course, you have history and social studies where you're learning about like what's happened in the world. Or with music, it kind of combines all those things. Like learning how to read and write music is a whole language. You have music theory, which is basically like the math breakdown of why music sounds the way that it does. Um, connecting it to their science lessons with, um, I like to open up our piano and show them the strings and talk about sound waves. And then when we talk about composers, connecting to history and everything. So with music, for the whole child, it connects everything they're already learning in their other classes, whether they realize it or not. But it also is a way for them to connect with themselves. Like students who may not necessarily be great students academically may be great in their other classes like music, art, or PE. Like students, I have students who are, who kind of struggle in certain academic classes, but when they come to my class, they're just brilliant. Like they get it. It's something they connect with. It's their way of expressing themselves. And I think that opportunity is just as important as the academic classes that they're taking. For sure. I know that for me as a child who grew up with ADHD, I was always looking forward to those creative outlets, those times where I was able to, you know, get out of my seat, make some noise in a productive way, and also not be kind of judged for being loud because, you know, we're we're, you know, we're telling these kids, you know, we have to be in our seats. You have to stay quiet, which obviously there's, there's importance to that. But I think what, what you said is kind of allowing these students to kind of express themselves in a creative way can be really, really helpful. Um, not only for their educational support, but also just like their mental health and their social emotional learning. Yeah, for sure. And the students that I work with, since we're a private school um, and we don't start till second grade, we have students who come to us who have just been, they've been hurt by their previous schooling experience. And they all have different experiences, of course, but a lot of it boils down to just their school system didn't know how to, how to teach them. And so they haven't had a positive schooling experience before. So I try to really make sure that my classroom is a safe place for these students to experiment and to express themselves and really find a happy, safe place to be at school. I'm sure that is really rewarding to see kind of that turnaround from when they come in in second grade. And then as they start getting more and more comfortable, um, I, I, I just have a feeling that that is so incredibly rewarding to see that turnaround. Oh, it really is. Like, I've only, this is only my second year here, but just seeing the kids that I started with last year and seeing them grow into this year, and even just with the ones that I've only worked with this year, just seeing their growth and coming out of their shell has been amazing. Like, for, uh, for example, I have um, a sixth grade. Uh, general music class right now and with COVID and everything I've kind of changed it to be more of a um, music history kind of class and so I was having them do a presentation 
on the soundtrack of their life. And I let them make it as personal as they wanted. So I had some kids just talk about um, their favorite holidays. Some kids talked about how their parents have gone through divorce. But one that really stood out to me was a girl who has barely speaks like she's just very shy, kind of introverted. She's a great student, but just doesn't really share her thoughts or ideas often in class. But she actually volunteered to share her presentation, the soundtrack of her life. And I was so blown away and I was so proud of her for just having the courage and being able to present that to her classmates. So I, that really makes me kind of just, I'm literally just smiling over here because that is so powerful. And I've had very similar um, interactions this year. Um, like a lot of us, we kind of been changing our curriculum because of COVID and because of, you know, health restrictions and things like that. And as kind of a, a side effect, my fifth and sixth grade general music classes have become a little bit less focused on singing and well, we haven't been able to sing yet um, inside um, I'm doing more on instruments. And as we do some more, we're doing like a hybrid online situation. We're having, allowing these students to respond with words more often and re- respond um, to music and as creative, li- creative listeners. And that's something I've, I've been really surprised by some of these students that I really just thought didn't enjoy being in music. And they're, you know, they, they just, it wasn't their thing. Um, seeing them be able to blossom just because the way that I'm asking them to be musical is more appropriate for them. That is something that I will totally be taking with me into a post COVID world. Yes. And I love the phrase that you used creative listeners. I'll have to remember that one. That's a good one. Uh, it's just, I've been really surprised by it because some of these students, like I, I did one specifically in an assignment where I gave them a piece of music and I just said, create a story, create a five paragraph story or however long you want to make it. Um, that you think would accompany the story. And some of them were pretty simple. Like, you know, the farmer went down here. Yeah. And then some of them were like really in depth. Like I, I'm looking at this. I'm thinking it's like JK Rowling or something. <laughs> like It was awesome. Um, and I was so impressed by it. And they're the students that I, again, they're never be, they're rarely behavior issues, but I, they're never ones that would, you know, shoot to the top of, if I would say, you know, who are those, some of the kids that are most musical. And it, it really is kind of a, a shot to the face. You know, I have to, I have to think, you know, these kids are musical. I just haven't been giving them the best opportunity for them to be musical in the way that they are. Yeah, exactly. And that's so important. Like remembering that every student, every child is musical just in their own way and being able to tap into that. Exactly. And that's something, you know, I, or again, you know, we logically know that every child is musical, um, but finding a way to really let them understand it too. Cause just kind of like you said with, when your kids start coming in second grade, they, they could have had some bad experiences. Um, when we get kids in the music classroom, you know, they could have been told, um, that singing is for girls or, you know, that, you know, that they're tone deaf or things like that. And we really have to kind of go against that and kind of, like you said, create that safe space so that they can be musical in the way that they are. Yeah. And I have, um, some teacher friends in my building who like we'll be talking about our day and I'll kind of explain the lessons that I've been doing. And they say about how their music experience, they've been told that they can't sing or they should do something else because music isn't for them. And it just blows my mind that 
they had that experience because I could never imagine telling a student, you can't do music because everybody can do music just in different ways. There's so many ways to access music. Exactly. And I think we also need to remember that we need music listeners. You know, if if we have all these artists and all these composers and stuff that are making this music and nobody's listening to it, then, you know, we have to have music listeners. They are a part of the art form um, for better, for worse in different ways. But, you know, it's, they're part of the musical art form. They are consumers of the arts and they're part of it. They're being musical in just a different way than we are. Yeah, exactly. And when that's like, whenever um, I have my students, uh, like share their compositions or whatever we've been working on in class, I remind the rest of the group who's not performing yet that they have a job. Their job is to be the audience because if somebody goes out on stage to play a piece of music or act out a monologue or something, but there's no audience, they're not really performing. It's more of like a dress rehearsal at that point. They need that audience. Exactly. And I think it's also important to train audience members to know what, what's appropriate in different yeah. environments as well. Yeah, I so agree. Rachel, what, what advice do you have for those that are either in school to become music teachers or those that are considering the profession? Um, I think the biggest piece of advice would be to never stop learning because even outside of school, it's, it's so important to be open to new ideas. Um, cause for me at, at my, when I was in college, we only had one course in special education, um, it was one, one semester long and, and that was it. And so I wasn't quite prepared for my particular job because I just didn't have the training. Yeah. So being willing to be open to new experiences, be willing to seek out information because a lot of people don't, or a lot of music teachers don't really know how to work with the population of students that I have. So I've had to kind of seek out the information for myself. So I think for students in music education or who are considering it, just remember that it's, it's a never ending learning process and it is very rewarding. Once you remember that you are not going to have all the answers when you get that diploma. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. You know, our music degree, especially here in Ohio where we are, it's K-12 music band, orchestra, choir, like it's everything. So obviously there's going to be some things that you're going to be more prepared than others. So I love that you're, you know, talking about being a lifelong learner and seeking out that information because I think that's really important. The information is not going to necessarily find its way to you. You need to take the initiative and look for it. Exactly. So Rachel, where can we find more of you online? Um, So this year, during all the lockdowns, I decided to start my own blog. So you can find me at musicclasswithmrsa.com. You can also find me on Instagram at musicclasswithmrsa. Um, Those are the two places I am primarily. You can also find me on Facebook under the same name, but I don't post there as often. So it's the blog and Instagram. 
Awesome. And you can also find Rachel as a blog contributor at thatmusicteacher.com. Yeah. I'm super excited that she's part of our blog team. It's been so much fun. All right, Rachel, thank you so much for taking some time and talking with me today. Um, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. This was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, Rachel. If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.